I heard a story of a, uh, of a man. This man, um, like a lot of men, he was a man that claimed to be a Christian. He would, uh, he, he would go to work and he would tell people, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I'm a Christian. But this guy, he, um, he didn't treat his co-workers very well. He had people that worked for him and he didn't treat them well at all. I mean, he had the entire office that worked for him just hating him. He just did not treat them well at all. And this guy, he goes to church one day and he hears this convicting sermon about how he needs to be sharing the gospel. So he decides, you know what, there's a lot of people at my work who, they're not Christians. So I'm going to go and I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and share the gospel with these people. So he goes and he starts to talk to these people about the gospel and, and Finally, this one guy looks at him and says, hold on, hold on, hold on. If a Christian is what you are, then I will never want to be what you are. And he was taken aback by that. Like, what? Wait, why? He said, you, do you really not see? Do you really not see the way that you treat people? Why would anybody want to be anything that you say is the right thing to be? when you treat people so terribly. And it was a wake-up call for this guy. We're studying in Romans 12, we're studying a transformed life, a life that is transformed by the gospel. And tonight, we'll see that a life that's transformed by the gospel is going to carefully consider how you treat other people. Carefully consider how you treat others. I've got a few Verses here to read in Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 18, and here's what they say. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Only a mind that is renewed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is renewed by the power of God's word, is going to respond to persecution and respond to being treated poorly in such a countercultural way. And really, it's not just countercultural, it's counterhuman instinct. Because what we want to do, what you want to do when someone treats you poorly, is you want to treat them poorly back. You want to get them back. But he says, no, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. The world says to avoid your enemies. It says don't even talk to them. Just avoid them. And when you do talk to them, be rude to them back. It's fair. Do that. But God's word says, no, no, no. Bless them. It's so backwards from what the world says. It says bless these people. Luke 6, 28. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. So you can't have a hateful attitude towards anyone. Not even to those who 
are cursing you or reviling you or slandering you or treating you poorly. There shouldn't even be the slightest hint of a desire for vengeance towards these people. You shouldn't have any desire to to see something bad happen to these people that are treating you poorly. There should be none of that. In fact, it's not just saying that you shouldn't wish evil onto your enemies, right? That's step one. Don't wish evil on them. But it takes it a step further. You should actively be wishing your enemies well by praying for them, by praying God's blessings over them. This is an invoking, a a calling down, and asking God to bless those that persecute you. For him to show his kindness and his mercy and his grace on these people that are treating you terribly. We see this portrayed in the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 60. This is when Stephen is being stoned to death because of his testimony for Christ. He's a Christian, and these people drag him out, and they're stoning him, and he prays for these people. I want you to think about that for a second. It wasn't even just that he was, you know, getting made fun of a little bit at work, or people were just treating him poorly a little bit. He was going to die. They were taking his life from him. And in that moment, he prays for them. I mean, there, there, have been, there have been persecutors who have come to faith in Christ because of the way that the Christians they were persecuting were responding to them. I mean, if you just, just Google it, look up stories. There's, there's so many you can read. Where people who were killing Christians, who were persecuting Christians, the Christians were praying for them. They were treating them with kindness and love, the way that God's word describes. And these people came to know Jesus through the witness, through the testimony of these Christians who were loving their persecutors. I mean, think back to the story of Stephen. Who, who was in the crowd there? Who, who gave the thumbs up to that? You can, you can answer me. Saul, better known as who? Paul. He was there. He gave the thumbs up. I have to imagine that through Paul's ministry, he had that image burning in the back of his mind. That before Christ showed up and saved him, he gave the thumbs up for this guy to be killed. And with his last words, he was praying for the guy that said, kill him, do it. Praying for those that were throwing the stones. So basically what we're we're saying is this this is treating your enemies as if they were your friends. Think about how you treat your friends, your closest friends. You got to treat your enemies that way? Pray for God to bless my enemies? Luke 6 says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. 
So Christians, you are to love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. It's the golden rule. It's where that comes from. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Something like that. As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. This is another way that non-Christians, that unbelievers, should be able to recognize Christians. Even, even sinners love those who love them. I want you to think about that. People who do not trust in Christ, people who are not saved, even, even they love those people who love them. It's not hard to love someone who is loving you. You're saying someone that's treating you well and treating you with respect, it's not hard to give that back. Even unbelievers do that. But God's word says, look, take it a step further. The people who treat you poorly love them. Love them. That's difficult. It's difficult to love those who cause harm to you. It's difficult to say, okay, that person just is making my life extremely difficult, but I'm going to sit down and I'm going to pray God's blessings over that person. You see what I mean? Only a life transformed by the gospel is going to do this because of how backwards and how countercultural it really is. This is all, it's a matter of the heart. Like most things in the Christian faith, this is a matter of your heart. It's an inner transformation. It's not something on the outside that people can see. It's in your heart. You may be all smiles on the outside. You may be buddy-buddy with everyone, all smiles, all kind to everyone. But inside your heart and inside your mind, you may be storing up hatred for certain individuals. Jesus is concerned about your heart. Matthew 23, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Are you really good at appearing to love, to be kind, to love people that are rude to you, but then on the inside you're, you're just being eaten alive by bitterness and hatred for these people? If so, Jesus says you're, you're, like, you're like a whitewashed tomb. I don't know if there's any historic cemeteries around here, but I'm from Georgia. There's all kinds of, it's just weird to say, but beautiful historic cemeteries. You walk around and there's these just massive, I don't even know what they're like, mausoleums or something, and there's just like a bunch of bodies in there. It's weird. But you walk around and you're thinking like, wow, this is actually kind of beautiful. Because they keep up with them. They go in and they'll, they'll roll white paint over these things and they'll, they'll pressure wash the gravestones and, and they'll keep it up. And, and the people that are taking care of the lawn there, they do a really good job. So you can walk around and think, oh, this is so pretty. But like, the reality is there's dead people there. It's not beautiful. <laughs> not really. So whenever we're, we're putting on this show on the outside and we're, you know, all smiles all the time and just 
being fake, but on the inside, you're, you're dealing with bitterness and hatred for others. You're like that whitewashed tomb. And Jesus is he's saying, I'm not concerned about what's outward. I want, I'm concerned about your heart. From your heart, you should want things to be well with your enemies. And I know that the word enemies is kind of weird to think about. Like, I don't have any enemies. Maybe a better way to think, just think of it. Who are people in your life that make your life difficult? That are hard for you to be around? That don't treat you well? That you wouldn't choose to hang out with if you got to pick who you were going to hang out with? Which you do, but you know what I mean. Those people. From your heart, you should want things to be well with them. You should be praying for these people. And again, I'm going to say this. This is only possible through the transforming power of the gospel. We don't naturally do this. We don't naturally just say, hey, I'm going to spend the next 15 minutes and pray for all the people that I can't stand. And I'm going to just pray that God will bless them and and show his, his kindness to them. But we have God's word saying that's what we should be doing. So really, where we need to start with this is we seem to say, God, change my heart. Help me to obey this command. Help me, God, to have this mindset, to not be holding this bitterness and this rage and this anger and this hatred towards people. But let me, let me really love them. Let me have a, a real care for them. Don't be content with just faking it. Don't be content with just putting on a smile, going about your life, pretending like everything's fine, but inside there's some things going on that you need to take care of. Pray for help with these things. Keep following after Christ. Keep reading God's word. Keep spending time with him. Just like we read in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12, Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is how your mind is renewed. This is how these things come to pass. Here's point one. Pray for the people who treat you poorly. Pray for the people who treat you poorly. I mean, maybe it's as practical as this. You have a prayer list, prayer mate or echo prayer or whatever app you have or a list, whatever. Maybe you just write down names of people. Like tonight. You say, okay, God, this is what your word says. I'm going to take this seriously. And you just build that into your prayer time. And pray for these people. That's what we should do. Paul Continues, and he says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. See, this is to be glad when others are experiencing blessings. When others are experiencing reasons to be joyful, to be glad about it. No matter what your current circumstances are. No matter what is going on in your life. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Even if the person rejoicing happens to be your enemy. Rejoice with those who rejoice. When a brother or sister in Christ or even someone outside of the Christian faith is rejoicing over something, you should rejoice alongside them. Unless, 
what they're rejoicing over is something that's unbiblical. When I was, uh, when I was like a brand new youth pastor in Georgia, just like fresh out of college, um, one, of the, one of the leaders, she came to me and she said, hey, my friend is here. Do you mind if she sits in the group? And I didn't know the leader that well, but I assumed that her friends were going to be good company. So I said, sure, that's fine. That was not the right thing to say, but I said, that's fine. So she goes in this group and after it's done, I, um, I was told that she was talking about how happy she was that she's pregnant. She wasn't married. So she came to this, this group and rejoicing about this. I'm, I'm pregnant. There's life in me. But it's like, you're not, you're not. And that's a hard situation because life is beautiful, of course. It's life in her. And praise God, she chose to keep it. But we weren't about to be rejoicing over this in the way that she was expecting because we knew that what she was telling us is she exposed that she was living in sin. Right? So rejoice for those who rejoice unless the reason for rejoicing is unbiblical. Now, if, if rejoicing with those who rejoice, if it's going to be sincere, that's what we're after. This, this whole thing, the transformed life, we're after genuine love. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Being genuine, being sincere, really loving people. If you are really going to be rejoicing with those who rejoice, then it has to happen without any notion of envy or jealousy. Because envy and jealousy will keep you from being happy for other people. Genuine love for others will be expressed by doing this, by rejoicing with those who rejoice. Look, even if their rejoicing means something disappointing for you, you rejoice with them. Maybe you've applied to the same jobs or colleges as others, and, and you've watched friends of yours or people in your classes get accepted and, and get these jobs, and then you didn't. And you see them all rejoicing. What do you want to do, really? You, you probably, in the moment, you really want to be mad about it. You don't want to congratulate them because you're jealous, because you're envious. The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice. Maybe your friend accomplished something that you've been trying to do for a long time. It's easy in that moment to be filled with jealousy. I uh, went to Liberty for college, Liberty University, there's this really dumb thing ingrained in, into the culture called ring by spring. So dumb. And um, I think you get what it means, right? Ring by spring. The girls would say, oh, I'm, I'm going to be engaged by spring. And it, it became this like, girls were just at each other's throats because they were just so jealous when somebody actually got their ring by spring and they didn't. I mean, that's a silly example, but you see what I'm getting at, is whenever you're jealous about something and you're envious about something, it's really hard to be happy. It's hard to be rejoicing with those who rejoice whenever all you're thinking is, I wish that was me. I'm not happy with my circumstances. That should be me. Christians, you need to be content with what you have, with where God has you. Right now, being content is such a major, is such an important part of the Christian life. 
Luke 12, 15, it says, Be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. 1 Timothy 6, 6 6-8, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world, but if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Being envious of others is an indication that you're not entrusting yourself to Jesus. And it's an indication that you're not really looking for your satisfaction in Jesus. If you're ultimately satisfied with Jesus Christ, if he is your satisfaction, envy is not going to be a problem. It's, it's going to show up from time to time, but you're not going to be eaten alive by jealousy and envy of other people because you know trusting in Jesus is, is part, it's such a big part of the Christian life. So saying, Jesus, I, I, I trust you. Like, sure, it would, it would be great. It would be great if I was getting married. It would be great if this or great if that. But Jesus, I'm not. And and I'm content because I have you, Jesus. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Avoid being envious. Then we have weep with those who weep. Be compassionate when others are experiencing hardships and sorrow. Show compassion. Don't be glad when someone is weeping and having a hard time. Again, even if this is someone who treats you poorly. If you're like me, you've been there before. There's people in life that you just don't like. And when something bad happens to them, you're secretly like, yes. Like, I'm glad that's happening. But that's a terrible attitude to have. It's a terrible mindset. You guys like, are barely smiling, which tells me that... like. I'm not alone in that, okay? (laughs) You've been there before. That's not the right attitude to have. That's not right. When someone is having a hard time, you should should spend time with them. Making yourself available to those that are weeping, that are grieving. Taking note of their pain and, and trying to console them or comfort them however you can. Letting them know that you're praying for them and that you love them. It's important. But also, just like rejoicing, you shouldn't weep with others who are weeping over something unbiblical. When a brother or sister is grieving, don't be harsh with them. The Bible does say, rejoice always, right? But don't be so rigid and so arrogant with people that when they're grieving, you just say, hey, 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 Bible says rejoice always. That's not helpful. That's not gentle. That's not even kind. Because the Bible says weep with those who weep. Show compassion for people that are grieving. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. This is two weeks in a row that we've referenced this verse, but it's so applicable and so helpful. 
So what, what's the reason? Why, why, may you, why might you not be weeping with those who weep? Other than you just don't like the person, which we've addressed that already. It's not a good enough reason. So what are some other reasons? Well, probably because you're too wrapped up in yourself to notice or to even care about what other people are going through. Being selfish, being self-centered will keep you from weeping with those who weep. 1 Corinthians 10, 24, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. If you have tunnel vision, if you, if you are just so focused in on yourself, you're going to miss the people around you that you should be comforting and showing compassion and, and weeping with them. And, and spending time with them in their grieving. You're going to miss out on it. You're not even going to notice it. Because you're just so focused about yourself. And what you can get out of this. And what you can get out of that. And what's best for you. And finding the best seat in the place for you. Being selfish, it, 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 completes, it just keeps you from seeing the good that you can do for your neighbor. So we've got to make it a habit to pray about something else. Praying, God, keep me from being envious. Keep me from being selfish. There's point number two. Avoid envy and self-centeredness. Avoid envy and self-centeredness. It says, do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. The word haughty means arrogant, arrogantly superior, conceited, snobbish, pompous. Don't treat others like they're beneath you. Just don't do that. Don't treat others like they're beneath you. Don't think that, that you're so great and then put yourself in a category above other people. Don't be arrogant. Don't look down on others. Don't treat others like they're stupid. Look, I know that most people probably don't walk around every day with, with this God complex. I know that most people don't walk around thinking like, oh, I am God's gift to the earth. At least I hope not. So what does this look like practically? Most likely... Arrogance, being haughty, shows up with thoughts like this. At least I have my life together better than that person. My sins are not as bad as that person's sins. I know more than that person. I can quote more scripture than that person, so I'm a better Christian. I mean, again, on the outside, you may appear to be humble. But in your mind and in your heart, maybe you are just arrogant. The Bible says over and over and over again not to be arrogant, to clothe yourself with humility. But here he says, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. The lowly, the lowly, those are societal outcasts. Those that are socially unimpressive. These are not the honored guests at the party, but these are the ones who they don't want to show up. 
When I was in elementary school, this is a true story, by the way. I was in, no, actually, this was sixth grade. You can tell I'm scarred by this, but I'm going to share it. <laughs> I was in the sixth grade. I was struggling, didn't have many friends, dealing with bullies, whatever. Well, there was this one guy that like, I thought we were friends. And uh, I, I walked over to him at the lunch table and put my lunchbox down. And he looked at me and he went, oh, we just lost everyone. Like, no one's going to sit here now because I sat down. And I was like, oh. And then everybody walked away. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, okay. so in this, in this, like, I, I was the lowly. I was that societal outcast, okay? Like, that was me in the sixth grade, okay? Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Don't see yourself as too important to spend time around those that society has deemed as outcasts. Don't see yourself as too important or too cool or too whatever to spend time around those that would be considered lowly. And really, the word lowly, like, we shouldn't even be thinking about people in that way. There shouldn't even be a thought in our minds that we're, we're better than this person or, or anything like that. If you're worried about how people are going to perceive you for spending time around certain other individuals, then you are too self-centered and you are worried about the opinions of others. If you think that spending time with the lowly is going to have a negative impact on your social status, then you're prioritizing the wrong things and really you need a new social group. I mean, just a few verses back in Romans 12, 3, Paul said not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. This is a common theme throughout Scripture. So I want you to just think. I want you to think about who are the overlooked people within your, your social spheres of influence. Think, just think about people. Names will come to mind. Think people at your college campus or at your job or in your neighborhood or something. Take that person out to lunch. Show that person the love of Christ. Spend time with them. Don't be arrogant. Don't be so arrogant to think, um, someone else will do it. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. I mean, again, I want you just to think about how unbiblical, how unbiblical it is to have this attitude towards others that you're better than them. That you're too good to be seen with people that are less popular or less dif or, or, or different or, or less fortunate than you. I mean, that is so unbiblical. He says, never be wise in your own sight. Never be wise in your own sight. Other translations, they say, do not be conceited. I, I like never be wise in your own sight. Here's some characteristics of someone that is wise in their own sight. They, they think that they can't learn from anyone. Here, this is another true story, I promise. I was in college, a lot of college stories coming up, but there's this girl who went to the church that I was going to. Um, 
we were talking one day, and she said, I'm really looking for someone to disciple me. I'm looking for someone to mentor me. But out of all the ladies at this church, like, I just can't learn anything from any of them, so I'm going to have to look at different churches. She was dead serious. I was like, I don't even know what to say to this. Like, what? Someone who's wise can't learn from anyone. Someone wise in their own sight feels superior to others just because you know more stuff. Someone wise in their own sight is never willing to be wrong. This is the person that will argue and argue and argue all night long if that means that they don't have to be wrong. Someone wise in their own sight will downplay their own weaknesses. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. I have weaknesses. But then they'll magnify weaknesses in others. They'll say, oh yeah, I've got that. It's not a big deal. But, but you, oh, that's weak. This person thinks they always know best in every situation. They think that their advice is always golden. And if you don't take their advice, then you're stupid. This person, they think that they have everything figured out in life. Oh, this person, like I said, they want to give all the advice, but they don't want to take any because they're too proud. They're going to figure everything out on their own. The bottom line here, this person that's wise in their own sight, it's being self-reliant to the point of even refusing help from God. I was saying, I got this. I don't need help. I don't need your word, God. I don't need this. I will handle it. I'm good enough to do this on my own. Well, here's what God says about these people. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 26, 12. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So do you you want to be a fool? Then go ahead and keep thinking that you're the smartest person in the room. Keep thinking that no one has anything to offer you, that, that you know more and that your advice is best and that you're always right. Go ahead and live a life full of conceit because that's exactly what God says is a fool. You need to pray and ask God to make you a humble person. God, make me humble. Help me to be humble. Now, wisdom itself is not the problem here. In Ephesians, Paul, he he prays for for that church to be filled with wisdom. So wisdom itself is not the problem. True wisdom, godly wisdom will bring about humility. You understand? Thinking that you're wise in your own eyes is proof that you're not wise. Thinking arrogantly, it's it's not wisdom. True wisdom, godly wisdom will bring about humility. So here's number three. Stop thinking too highly of yourself. Stop thinking too highly of yourself. 
It says, repay no one evil for evil. Immediately, this should bring verse 14 back to mind. When evil is done to you, never seek to return evil. Always pray for them. And always love them. 1 Corinthians 4 says, And we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. We're going to get more into this next week about the idea of revenge. But just don't seek revenge. Do not return evil for evil. Pray for them instead. When you are inclined, when you feel yourself about to take revenge, to take matters into your own hands and do something about it, you need, you need to say, oh, no, stop. And then just pray. Pray for that person. Be praying that this is how you will respond when evil is done to you. And then he says, but, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So let this be on your mind. Give thought. Be thinking about this. To do the honorable thing. Honorable meaning right, good, virtuous, respectable. Do the honorable thing in the sight of all. In the sight of all. Always. All the time. No matter who you're with, no matter who's around you, do the honorable thing. Live your life in such a way that the, pub, the public will approve. Now, that doesn't mean that you're conforming to the world, right? We, Romans 12, 1 and 2, do not be conformed to the world. So I'm not saying fit in with them and make them happy. I'm saying they need to approve of you in the sense that they won't have anything negative to say about you. And if they do have anything against you, then it should only be that you are a Christian who follows after Jesus and they don't like that, which is a positive thing, really. One of your goals in life, it should be for, for non-Christians that you meet to quickly recognize, yeah, that person's a Christian. And then that your behavior toward them would play a part in their coming to faith in Jesus. I mean, we hear stories about, I've heard stories about this. I'm sure you have too, right? Where, where people say, oh, I just met this person and something was different about them. And then that led them down to, I went to church with that person. We did a Bible study and now I'm saved. All because, why? Because they were treating the person with honor and with respect and with love, the way that God says to just be treating other people. This is how Christians should, we should be known for this. Paul said this just seven verses ago. Outdo one another in showing honor. Here's point four. Treat others honorably. Treat others honorably. And it says, live in harmony with one another. Harmony is a situation in which people are peaceful, in which people agree with each other. Romans 15, just a few chapters forward from where we're at in Romans now, Paul says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, 
in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's praying for the Romans. He's praying for them and he's saying, have peace with everyone. Have harmony with everyone. So look, do you have conflict in your life? Is there someone or are there some people that you are in the midst of conflict with? If you do, then you need to get it resolved. You need to be seeking reconciliation with whatever the situation is. You need to be willing to do the hard thing. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. That's why we just don't do it sometimes. Because after you've offended someone or someone has offended you, the last thing you want to do is go talk about it and rehash everything. And we can convince ourselves, oh, it'll just just do more damage if I do that. But that's not the right thing to do. If, If there is some kind of conflict between you and someone else and it goes unaddressed, and that relationship is never mended in any kind of way, that's not right. There isn't harmony between you and that person. Even if it becomes this cordial thing, you see each other and you just kind of do the nod. You know, the, the, the nod, like, I don't want to talk to you, but I'm acknowledging you that you're there. It, it, it just for the rest of your life, is that what you're going to do? You're going to be seeking peace and harmony with other people. Be willing to do the hard thing. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I think this verse is really interesting. I think it's really helpful as well. So God is the God of all peace. And, and he desires that we are living in peace with other people. But he says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You cannot control how other people respond in situations. And sometimes that makes us mad. You want to play God, and you want to say, this is how you should be responding, and you're not. You you can't control that. The only thing that you can control is your response, and what you do, and how you handle yourself in situations. So, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Sometimes peace won't be possible. And that's sad, but it's the truth. So first of all, you you should never compromise your morals or your integrity for the sake of peace. Because sometimes the only thing that will satisfy someone else is for you to make a sinful decision. For you to do something that they think is best, but you know it's sin. Don't do it. Because it's sin. You've done everything that you can. You've explained to them, I can't do that. I won't do that. I will not sin against my God in doing that way. And the person may just keep insisting. Well, then, this is it then, I guess. You've done everything that you can. As far as it depends on you, you should do everything within your power, within your ability to keep peace with other people. There may be a situation where you try to talk to someone that you're having issues with, and maybe you say, Look, I want to talk this through. Like, I, I, I messed up. I want to talk. I want to apologize. Like, can we please just talk? And you may get, I don't want to talk to you. 
I just don't want, I don't want to deal with it. Apologize. Sincerely apologize. Let them know I messed up. I sinned against you. I am sorry. Will you please forgive me? But if that's not going to be received, and that person is going to just keep stiff-arming you and saying, I don't want anything to do with you, you can only control how you respond and the things that you do. You just need to forgive. In that moment where you're saying, look, I want reconciliation. I want to be reconciled to you. And this person is saying, I don't want that. Unforgiveness will just come at you. Anger, resentment, these things. You can control how you respond. You can, you can say, all right, I'm going to forgive this person. God, I'm entrusting the situation to you. And at that point, you've done all that you can. Now, you keep praying about it. Maybe you revisit from time to time. But it says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So peace and harmony should be what we're seeking after in all relationships. But again, you can only control what you're going to do about it. And, and you have to respond to situations biblically, according to God's word. So point five, pursue peaceful relationships. I, just, I want to say this as I'm closing. I know five points is a lot, okay? Um, and I think last time we had like four. There's going to be even more points next week about all of this transformed life stuff. I didn't mean there's going to be more than five points next week. That's not what I meant. I meant there will just be more. I see that, no, yeah, okay. There won't be more than five. You have my word. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> if, if, here's what I was saying. Keep in mind Romans 12, 1 and 2, okay? Keep in mind that these things happen as you are becoming renewed by the power of the gospel. So we, we need to be thinking of these things and to, and to be working towards behaving and living this way. But remember, the Christian life is not, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to do that, I'm going to do this. And if I don't do this, then I'm not even a Christian in the first place. Your focus has to be on Christ. Pursuing your relationship with Christ. Reading God's word. Spending time in prayer. And as you are doing that, you will be sanctified. You will be made more like Christ. I, when I was in college, here's another college story. Um, I was in a class on the book of Romans, and my professor, um, Dr. Smith, he said, he, he used this illustration. He said, sometimes church can feel like this. You, you put on your church book bag, you go to church, and the pastor tells you, do this, do this, do this, and they put some heavy rocks in your bag, and you go home when it's heavier, you come, you come back to church the next week and then they put more rocks in your bag, do this, do this, and it just gets to the point to where after several weeks, you're going, I have to, I have to do all this stuff. I can't, I can't do it anymore. It's too heavy. It's too much. Whenever you reorient your mind and you think about it this way, yes, these are things that we're supposed to do, but just, just, just pursue Christ. Whenever you think about this, when you think about it this way, that as I know Christ better, as I am reading God's word, and I am becoming more familiar with it, and I'm getting to know him better, and he's knowing me, what happens is that you are becoming more like Jesus. 
Does that make sense? I don't want anybody to be burdened by these things because that's not the point. The point is to know Jesus better and then to watch your life transform because of the power of the gospel. Let's pray. God, help us to focus on you. God, as we go about our days and we go throughout our weeks, let our focus and our attention be on you, on, on knowing you more. God, let us be encouraged. Let, let us be able to see tangibly that we're becoming more like you in the way that we love others, in the way that we treat others. God, help us to treat others well, to treat others the way that your word says to treat. Help us to not be arrogant. Help us to not look down on others. God, in all of our relationships, help us to be pursuing peace. Keep us from being envious. Keep us from being self-centered. Jesus, help us to be more like you. So we love you, God, and we're grateful for this night. We're grateful for your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.